Warren Morris. It's a deep drive down the right field line. That ball is gone! LSU wins the College World Series on a home run by Morris. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU Podcast. Thank you for joining me. So in this episode, we will review the Tuesday night game versus Nickel State. And also, we will preview the upcoming SEC series that will take place in Baton Rouge this weekend at the box versus the Alabama Crimson Tide. In addition to taking a look at some of Bama's key hitters and pitchers, as always, I will give you my three keys to the weekend, the picks for the get right, stay right list, my series prediction, and then finally to wrap it up, the SEC rundown. As you all know by now, you can find the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, and all the other major audio platforms. I am on YouTube as well. And then once again, the Twitter account is at 60FT6IMLSUPod. Make sure to, to hit that notifications bell, so subscribe to the channel, check out all the video content, and hit me up for some interactions as well. If you missed the last episode, I reviewed the Ole Miss series as LSU got the sweep in Oxford. As always, that can be found on YouTube and in podcast form as well. All right, we got to do it just for a little bit because I'm not spending a ton of time on this game. Trust me. Let's review last night's 6-5 to five loss to Nickel State. With that loss, LSU moves to 32-8 and eight on the year. They are currently 12-5 in SEC play and first in the SEC West. <clears throat> All right, LSU versus Nichols. Was it disappointing? Absolutely. Do they try to lose? No. Is Jay Johnson pissed? Probably so. But every team is going to lose midweek games. All you have to do is look at the uh, SEC West specifically. Last night, you saw A&M lose, Arkansas lose, um, Ole Miss lost again. They played Mississippi State. You saw teams throughout the country, they lose midweek games. And we're, that's something we are uh, not immune to here in Baton Rouge as well. Look, you were without Tommy White. Trey Morgan was out. He needed a rest as well as after taking a ball off his wrist in Oxford this weekend. And LSU seemed to just sleepwalk through much of the game. Nickel State made some great defensive plays. They were fired up to win it. They'd already played LSU in the season, so they know what to expect. Once again, they went with a new pitcher every inning. And uh, it seemed to work out for them this time. I've been on those teams. Trust me, those guys don't want to lose, right? But I'm going to be 100% honest. They are not fired up to play Nickel State in a midweek game. And I know you're going to sit there as fans and say, how can they do that, Chris? It's the next game up on the schedule, and they're supposed to be pumped. They're college kids. They're number one. Dude, it is baseball. This isn't like LSU playing Nickel State in uh, football. And especially now, look, Nickel State, they see guys every weekend that throw 92 to 94. So when Thatcher Hurd comes out there throwing 96, they're used to seeing that. Okay, this isn't like when I played when uh, they were intimidated by coming into the box. Another thing, too. When you look at the midweek schedule, nothing's going to change. And Skip started this to promote baseball around the state to help build up um, some of the other in-state programs. And they've done that, right? You've seen um, Tulane and ULL. They all make regionals. ULL's made the College World Series before. Louisiana Tech's made supers. So LSU, I'm sure, is going to stick with playing in-state schools for midweek games. But when you look across the country, right, and some of it's just due to geographic location, but how cool would it be if LSU had Rice in for a two-game set? How cool would it be if DBU, Dallas Baptist, who's ranked, if you never heard of them, if they came in for a two-game set? Or LSU played Southern Miss. We know there's a rivalry there, right? Or uh, TCU came in for a midweek set. I mean, obviously, those players would be fired up, locked in, as opposed to playing, <clears throat> no offense, um, Grambling State or, or Prairie View or uh, you know Southern, whoever it may be. 
But unfortunately, that's how LSU's midweek slate is. And um, I'm sure it's going to stay, you know, stay like it is. But when we look around the country, right, you see uh, East Carolina playing UNC Wilmington, playing Campbell. North Carolina plays East Carolina, right? Wake Forest is playing Campbell or Coastal Carolina last night where you have two top 10 teams playing in the midweek. But it just is what it is in this part of the country. The in-state schools are very good. But at this point in the season, those guys are not super jazzed uh, about coming to the park and playing Nichols. No shot against Nichols, right? They're first in their conference, right? They're having a very good year. But it just it just is what it is. Beloso hit a home run. Jones hit a home run. Uh, Hurd looked decent. Dutton and Collins threw pretty well. Um, LSU got out hit, and they got outplayed, right? They scored four runs in one inning. And besides that, they did absolutely nothing, and they tried to make a comeback in the ninth, and it just didn't happen. You know, the uh, <clears throat> top of the ninth was a cluster as well. Um, one thing I will say, I said this on Twitter, and I'm going to absolutely stick by this, and I absolutely disagree with, was when uh, Bryce Collins had the bases loaded in the top of the ninth. Nichols sends up a pinch hitter, a freshman from Santa Mall, I believe. So, uh, and right off the bench, right, that kid has not seen a pitch in three hours. He hasn't seen a pitch since 4:45 batting practice, right? If Nichols took BP here, if they didn't, if Nichols took BP in Thibodeau, he hasn't seen a pitch since like one o'clock. Okay, but. They go with six curveballs in a row, 3-2, all in curveballs. He leaves the curveball up because it's 3-2, right? You want to throw one for a strike. You don't want to walk in the um, another run. And he hangs it and he hits it, right? Not once did they show that kid a fastball. Not once did they show that kid anywhere from 92 to 95, which Collins has, right? I thought that was an utter miss on Wes Johnson in terms of pitch calling. Obviously, there was some plan. I'm not privy to that. But I said it on Twitter. I'm going to stick by it. I just I completely disagreed with that sequencing. All right, let's move on to Bama. Let's get into the tide. <clears throat> in 2023, Alabama is 30 and 12 on the year. They are nine and nine in the SEC, which is good for third in the SEC West. Uh, they also came off a uh, win last night as they beat Sanford on Tuesday. In terms of SEC play, who has Bama played to get to this point? Look, they had a really tough schedule right out the gate. They lost two out of three to Florida. Two out of three to Kentucky, two out of three to Arkansas, and not to be outdone, two out of three, yes, to Mississippi State. But two weekends ago, they took two out of three from in-state rival rival Auburn, and then they swept Mizzou in Mizzou last weekend. Alabama still has Vandy left after LSU, and they still have A&M left as well. When I did the SEC preview podcast early in the year, it feels like forever ago, in my Alabama preview podcast, I had them finishing 14 and 16 in SEC play, and they look to be on the right track for that to happen. When you look at Alabama stats, let's get into some of those. I think you're going to find some very interesting and potentially telling stats for both LSU and Alabama. So just stay with me, you know, and reminder, this is a in conference games only. All right. SEC games only. Alabama is hitting 262 in conference games, which is good for eighth. LSU is hitting 284. Still good for second behind Vanderbilt. LSU is basically ranked one through three in every major hitting category except for doubles and home runs. They're fourth. I'm not going to go through them one by one. Bama is 12th in runs scored. They are 14th in doubles, ninth in home runs. They do walk a good amount, which is I mean, they are right behind LSU in terms of walks. LSU's fourth, Alabama's fifth. So very average to below average when you look at their hitters and conference play. Alabama is the third worst in the SEC at hitting 
right-handed pitchers. They hit right-handed pitchers at a 245 clip. LSU leads the conference when it comes to hitting right-handed pitchers at 292, which is interesting, right? Because you're going to have Skeens, Floyd, and Little. And then on, on Alabama side, we're going to get into it. But they have all righties as well. So that'll be an interesting dynamic this weekend. In terms of leadoff hitters, LSU struggled a little bit last weekend, but they did a uh, on the year they've done a great job in SEC play to where LSU's leadoff hitters get on 43.5% of the time, which is second best in the SEC. Bama is worst in the conference at hitting with runners in scoring position. That's 240 for them. And they lead the SEC when you look at runners left on base, right? So the overall theme is Alabama does not hit very well in conference. They lead the most around, most amount of runners on base. They don't do a good job of dropping them in, that's evident. But the flip side actually is LSU is second when you look at runners left on base. And they left a ton on base last weekend at Ole Miss. But in the end, LSU uh, still able to drive runners in. And then finally, LSU continues to be amazing at hitting and scoring with two outs as well. Now, on the flip side, let's get into some pitching stats. And this is where things really change for Alabama. They had the second-best ERA in SEC games at 4.46. They had the lowest opponent batting average against at 227. And they do not walk a lot of people either. LSU, on the flip side, in terms of pitching and conference play, middle of the road in just about everything except for strikeouts of opposing hitters, where they lead the conference in that, I believe. A couple more pitching stats. Bama's pitchers had the lowest batting average against versus left-handed hitters. So think about Morgan, Beloso, Joe Bear, Pearson. Bama's hit pitchers are doing a great job in limiting lefties to get on base and to hit against them this year. A couple more, and I'll wrap it up. I'm sure your heads are about to explode. Alabama's pitchers, the second lowest batting average against with runners on, and they do a good job with two outs. So in the end, look, Alabama's pitchers do a very good job at limiting other teams, and LSU's hitters on the flip side do a very good job at what Alabama's pitchers are very good at. So something's going to have to give this weekend, so it's going to be an interesting dynamic. Do not let the 9-9 nine and nine record fool you because Alabama has a very experienced pitching staff and a very experienced hitting lineup, which I'm going to get into right now. And that was the main reason that I was higher on Alabama than the majority of baseball gurus out there was due to their hitters, their veteran players, their older players. They've been through a ton of SEC weekends and those wars. And that's why I thought they were going to have a better year than they did in 2022. And obviously looking at those numbers, I'm sure you're saying, Chris, how can that be? I just don't understand it. You just tell me that they don't hit great and they haven't, but I'm telling you, don't sleep on these guys. All right, some of the key guys to watch out for. In SEC play only now, they are led by their catcher, Dominic Tamez. He is hitting 365 with three home runs in SEC play. Remember, they don't hit a ton of home runs, okay? Also, another guy to watch out for. You can't miss him, right? He's a guy with the mullet. He's going to lead off for them. Jim Jarvis, he's their shortstop. He is hitting 315 with three home runs as well. But to me, it's really the next couple guys that make this lineup tick. And I think it's the most important guys that you really need to keep quiet uh, this weekend for the LSU pitching staff. Andrew Pinckney, he is hitting 288 in the SEC play with four home runs, and he's been on a tear. I think he's home in four straight SEC games. He does strike out a lot as he has 26 Ks, which lead the team in conference play. You also have Tommy Seidel, who's going to play outfield along with Pinckney. He's hitting 262 in conference play, but when we look at his overall stats, he's hitting 351 on the year. He's not a big power threat, but he really does a good job. Um, in conference, his average is slipped, but out of conference, he's been killing it. 
Uh, also, another guy to look out for is the big first baseman for the Crimson Tide, Drew Williamson. He has 10 home runs on the year now, but in conference play, he's only hitting 247. He does lead the team in RBIs. And finally, the last hitter I want to highlight, and he was on a tear at the beginning of the year, and he has significantly slowed that pace, is freshman Colby Shelton. He's only hitting 231 in SEC play, but he does have 15 home runs on the year, which leads the team. Look, they don't run a lot. They're not going to hit a ton of home runs, as I've mentioned. They will bunt some, but they want to win games 4-2, to 5-3, to 8-6. to six. Those are the type of games when you look at their schedule and you look at the scores, even against Florida and Kentucky, those games have been really low scoring throughout the year for Bama. And one of the reasons that is is because of their pitching staff. I talked to you about their stats, how they're you know top two or three in the conference in almost every stat out there. <clears throat> and their starters are very good. They're very talented. Once again, they've been dealing with some injuries this year. As it seems like everybody's pitching staff has dealt with some injuries. But heading into February, right, when I did the preview podcast, they actually returned all three of their SEC weekend arms from last year. Now, one guy has dropped off due to an injury, but they still have two of those remaining arms. And they faced LSU last year, right? And you can tell from the stats, they're still doing a very good job in SEC play. On Friday, I expect right-handed pitcher Luke Holman to start. He has started the last couple of Friday nights. He is 1-2 with a 4.74 ERA in conference games. He has thrown 24 and two-thirds innings pitched, 17 hits, 13 walks, and 23 strikeouts. Look, he's kind of taller, lankier. He's going to be over the top with a low 90s fastball, a curveball, and a slider. And one of the things I remember when LSU played these guys last year, their pitching coach does a very good job. They're going to pitch, meaning they're going to go inside and outside, right? And they're going to flash two to three pitches for strikes. They're not just going to sit up there and throw fastballs all day. And I, I don't know if you're going to see as many breaking balls as you saw from Mike Bianco's staff last weekend at Ole Miss, right, where they were really breaking ball heavy. I think Alabama's pitching staff is going to mix really good two-seamers. Some of these guys have very good two-seamers, so I'd imagine they're going to pound the LSU hitters inside with that pitch. And they also have very good change-ups, so you're going to see some right-on-right change-ups in addition to the breaking balls. After Holman on Saturday, I expect veteran right-handed pitcher Jacob McNary to pitch, and he faced LSU last year. Now, he is coming off an injury. He only has two games started in the SEC he has a 1.93 ERA with only nine and a third innings pitched with 11 Ks. In 2022, against LSU, he threw five innings pitched, gave up eight hits, five runs, only one was earned. So the defense let him down that day, one walk and six Ks. And for what I remember, as I just mentioned, he has a very good two-seam and a very good changeup. On Sunday, I expect another veteran to start, and that is right-handed pitcher Garrett McMillan. In SEC play, McMillan is one and one with a 3.38 ERA, 10 and two-thirds innings pitched, six hits, six walks, and 10 strikeouts. In 2022 versus the Tigers, McMillan, five and two-thirds innings pitched, four hits, one run, three walks, and seven Ks, and he got the win versus LSU in 2022, and that series obviously took place in Alabama. Besides those starters, they're going to probably stay in there for a while unless LSU drives up their pitch counts they're used to doing. But the, the only thing that concerns me is not their bullpen arms in terms of, like, <clears throat> the amount of depth that they have, like a Tennessee. But they have two guys that are very concerning, and they will run out there on Friday and Sunday or Saturday and Sunday. These two guys can definitely throw multiple times on the weekend for the tie. 
And those two guys are first up is right-handed pitcher Hagen Banks. He will probably be first out of the pen on a Friday night. He has a 3.06 ERA in six appearances in SEC play, 17 and two-thirds innings pitch. So that's a lot of innings pitch for six appearances. 11 hits, 15 Ks, only two walks, and he is only allowing opposing hitters to hit 177 off him. He's a righty, kind of a bigger guy. He's going to throw probably low to mid-90s. But the guy I'm concerned with out the bullpen is freshman left-handed pitcher Alton Davis. He's just a big, skinny, tall drink of water. He throws almost strictly over the top left-handed. But in the highlights I've seen, he's 92 to 96, and he has a very good breaking ball for a strike. He pitches with a lot of emotion, and he has been carving teams up in SEC play. So left-handed pitcher Alton Davis. 0.00 0.00 ERA in SEC play. We saw that earlier with Kentucky, with Hagenau and LSU. You know, he didn't fare too well against LSU. We'll have to see how Davis does. But has not allowed an earned run in conference action. Nine innings pitched with 11 Ks. He already has four saves in SEC play for Alabama. And he is only allowing opposing hitters to hit 111 off of him. He will throw multiple innings. I've seen the stats to where he'll throw um, three innings on Friday. And then he'll come back on Sunday and throw like another two innings, okay? So he has a bit of a rubber arm. Also, some other guys you may see out the pin. They do have one more lefty, uh, not quite as dominant as Davis has been. That's Hunter Gurtado. You'll see another freshman uh, out the pin. His name is Riley Quick. He kind of has a three-quarter arm slot. He's had trouble uh, getting the ball over in conference play. A little bit of wildness, a little bit of walks, but he's done good outside of SEC play this year. And then finally, one more name to remember is right-handed pitcher Zane Propes. So besides Holman, McNary, and McMillan, they're all three righties that are going to start, right? You need to worry about Hagen Banks, the righty out the pen, and then finally left-handed pitcher Alton Davis. You're not going to miss him. Big, tall drink of water. But he has got fabulous stuff, and he is making his presence known in the conference action so far. All right, let's get into it. My three keys for the weekend for the Tigers. The first one. LSU needs to begin to play complete baseball, meaning all three phases of the game, right? Hitting, pitching, and fielding. Now, they have done it a couple of times throughout the year when you look at the weekend series. But rarely in a weekend, it seems, or an SEC weekend, that is, where you've seen all three on display at once. At Ole Miss, they pitched it very well. They didn't hit it great. It was more of timely hitting, and they fielded it fine. Against Kentucky, they hit it well, did not pitch it well, and the defense was, was a bit of a mess, right? And on and on. The only caveat to this key for me are the injuries. And are they going to be able to play great in all three phases this weekend? The lineup is still in flux due to these injuries, right? And they desperately need to get healthy and get that lineup solidified. But this is the seventh SEC series of the year. It's really time for those guys to start playing better overall baseball. They've done great in phases of the game. And obviously, they're number one team in the country. And I may be nitpicking. I understand that. But looking at the Tuesday Nickel State game, I know midweeks are kind of their own little thing, right? But they just need to start, uh, I guess, rounding into form, if you will, as you get towards the end of conference play, which we are now officially at, right, as you head into SEC tournament and then postseason play. The second key to the weekend, the bullpen. Look, they need to start asserting themselves. And once again, they have done that in spurts. And, yes, I completely understand Injuries have been a factor, and we learned this week that Chase Shores is done for the year. What a lot of people um, 
feared as fans. And he put it out there on Twitter that unfortunately he had Tommy John surgery. So he's done. And at this point, I do not know anything, but I'm just going to assume that Garrett Edwards is probably done for the year as well. Once again, not a hot take, no inside scoop. That's just my personal opinion. Jay Johnson is just being really vague about the future of Garrett Edwards in 2023. And we've seen Herring and Guidry step up, but you need more than those two guys. If you want to get to the promised land, right, if you want to get to Omaha, in my opinion, you need five guys that you can trust out of the pen. You need to see Collins continue to be consistent. Cooper has been a little up and down this year. He needs to get more on that consistent track. Ackenhausen is coming back from injury, so hopefully he can throw again this weekend as they bring him along slowly. Finally, the wild cards in this whole thing is Javen Coleman. What does he look like in a couple of weeks as they continue to work him back from injury? And you've seen him in spurts, and I'm sure once again he will get some uh, mound time this weekend against Alabama. And then finally, Thatcher Hurd. What is his role, and how does he help out this team as he got the start against Nichols State? Now, I know last weekend against Ole Miss, you really didn't need the bullpen because the starters did a great job. But I have a feeling this weekend there are going to be some tight, low-scoring games, and the bullpen's going to step up. And we all know in postseason play, you need the bullpen the most because those are going to be the guys at the end of the game to get the most important outs, that pitch with runners on second and third and one out, and you need them to get out of a jam, right? You saw LSU's bullpen excel and then just get tired last year. They haven't gotten tired this year. You've just seen younger guys have to step up. Now it's time for those vets to make their presence known, and they need to start asserting themselves. The third key for LSU this weekend, the quote-unquote role players, and not all these guys are role players, but that's just the easiest way for me to put it. They will have a say in the series, and you've seen them step up throughout the year, and injuries are making these guys play a bigger role, and I think it's really going to happen from here on out. Until guys like Neil and Kling get fully healthy, I don't know what the status at the time of this recording is of Tommy White. Other guys have stepped up, and they're going to have to continue to do, do so. I think Gavin Dugas is still recovering from his injury. Trey Morgan is a little banged up as he took a ball off the wrist against Ole Miss. He sat out against Nickel State, as did Tommy White. You're going to continue to have to see Malazzo and Travinsky play well collectively just as the catching position. Pearson has played in spurts, and he has some really good at-bats. And I expect that from him. He's very patient. He has a very good idea of the strike zone. I'm just looking for him to take it up a notch. You haven't seen his power this year like you did last year, and he just hasn't hit on a consistent basis, and I'm sure that has to do with some of the uh, inconsistencies in his playing time this year. Obviously, Joe Bear is a fixture now. Then what about in the pole, right? Ethan Fry got a start last night. Where is Stevenson? You saw him make a huge catch in the outfield in the ninth inning in game three against Ole Miss, right? And you've seen those three guys that I've mentioned, um, Napolt, or Stevenson come on as late-inning defensive replacements, and I think that's still going to happen, right? And they're going to have to eat up a ground ball. They're going to have to make a diving catch or a running catch in the gap. but um, Or pinch running or pinch hitting opportunities, as you saw Travinsky last weekend. But they're just going to have to stay ready, as uh, some of the Jay Johnson quotes have been, whereas everybody's ready. Everybody's ready to contribute. Nobody's all about me. They're all about the team, which is great to hear. And that just goes to show how talented and deep this team is, and it's going to take everybody to help them get through the end of the SEC, to help them get through some of these nicks and these injuries that they're dealing with to get them going in the postseason. And I think that's going to move once again to the forefront this weekend as we saw that start a little bit last weekend at Ole Miss. 
All right, we're getting ready to wrap up here on the 60 feet, six inches LSU pod. Let's get to my get right, stay right for the list for the weekend. Get right, Gavin Dugas. Look, I know he's coming off an injury. Definitely don't think he's 100%. He made some really nice throws last night against Nickel State. He just doesn't look right at the plate to me. Um, I'm sure his range of motion is somewhat limited. But against Ole Miss, look, it was a struggle for Dugas. Two for 13 with nine Ks. Gavin Dugas at the top of that order, buddy. Love to see you get right this weekend. Jaron, excuse me. Jared Jones, he struggled really bad last weekend at Ole Miss, but he turned things around as he hits a bomb last night against Nichols State. In the three-game series against the Rebels, Jones was two for 14 with six Ks, so I would like to see Jared Bear Jones get right this weekend as well. And then finally wrapping up the get right side of things, Josh Pearson. Look, I'm going to take a Pearson on flyer. I just mentioned him in through the keys for the weekend. He got back in the lineup in game two in Oxford, and he was a sub after Tommy White got hurt in game three. I think he does a great job in the outfield. He's very steady. I trust him out there in the outfield. And like I said, he's very patient in terms of his ABs. But against Ole Miss, he was only one for six with three walks and one K. I would love to see Josh Pearson get right this weekend versus Bama. Stay right. I'm a lead off with the guy, the best player in the country, Dylan Cruz. Phenomenal weekend last weekend in Oxford. Cruz, all he did was go seven for 13 with two home runs and seven RBIs. Look, he makes this team go. And when he isn't running balls out the yard or chasing balls down in the outfield, he just carries his team in different ways, right? And I don't know what the status is of Tommy White. I would assume he's going to play this weekend in some form or fashion. I don't know if he's going to have to go back to that DH role to where we saw him do that earlier in the year. So even more uh, of the load may fall on Dylan Cruz's shoulders this weekend. The other candidate for stay right, Ty Floyd. Fabulous versus Ole Miss. He went eight and a third, five hits, three runs, three earned, only one walk and eight Ks. Look, he doesn't have to have the exact same outing, but if Floyd can at least get back into the sixth or the seventh with under four runs, that's going to be great back-to-back outings that he put together, and I think he's going to be turning the corner as he faces. Um, now, the teams in the back half of the SEC, the remaining teams, those dudes can hit. They just can't really pitch. So he's still going to be facing good lineups, but I think a strong outing versus Bama, will do nothing but help his confidence in front of the home crowd. And then finally, on the stay right list, the catching position as a whole. Obviously, Neal's still hurt. Malazzo and Travinsky are going to have to pick up that slack. They did a great job um, last weekend. Obviously, Travinsky had a massive three-run blast to propel LSU to victory in game three. On the weekend, both of those guys, they went five for 13. So five for 13 between Malazzo and Travinsky, that's 385. That's fabulous. If you can get that, Every weekend out of your catching spot, that's just straight money in the bank and things you don't necessarily count on. So they also had five RBIs. So I look forward for another uh, good effort from those two guys versus Alabama this weekend. All right, it's prediction time here on the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU podcast. I didn't predict a sweep last weekend, and they got it done. I just thought it was too tough to get done on the road because they hadn't swept up until this point. And as I mentioned, Bama is struggled early on in conference play, uh, but they started their non-conference season on fire, right? They were undefeated for like 14 or 15 games, but I'm going to be honest, their non-conference slate was a joke, okay? I've mentioned they're an older veteran team in terms of their hitters and on the mound. They're very young in the bullpen, though, okay, except for those two guys are really, really good. They've won five out of six SEC games against bad teams, but as a fan, right, You can't overlook these guys. Their pitching, their stats are very, very good in SEC play, and they do enough to keep them in every game. 
And then you got Hagen Banks and Alkin Davis out the pen, and they have been fabulous. As far as LSU, this is, like I mentioned, this is where they need to start putting together complete SEC series in all three phases, being that it's your seventh SEC series of the year. Injuries continue to play a factor. I get that. Last week they pitched it well, didn't hit really in every game, more of the timely hittings. But as I mentioned against Kentucky, they swung it well, didn't pitch it great. So in the end, I think LSU's lineup is a little too much and a little too good for Alabama's very good pitching staff, okay? And I think the LSU pitchers are going to pick up where they left off last weekend against Ole Miss. But do not be surprised to see some low-scoring tight games. Just think 5-3, 6-5, 8-7, games of that nature. I would love it if LSU blasts these guys 11-2 or 13-4. That would be fabulous. That would really show – once again, that this team is the best hitting team in the country. I just think it's going to be tough against these veteran arms and those two studs in the bullpen that Alabama has. But in the end, obviously, I think LSU is definitely going to get it done this weekend. And my prediction is that the Tigers take two out of three from Alabama at home. Very quickly, the SEC rundown. Wild weekend. Last weekend, it was like the sweeps weekend in the SEC. All right. I think Tennessee is going to take two out of three from Mississippi State. I do think State figures out how to get one in Knoxville. Arkansas hosts Texas A&M. To me, this is going to be a very interesting series. A&M's getting hot. Arkansas just got swept at Georgia last weekend. Uh, I wanted to go A&M, but I just don't think A&M's got the arms to hold down Arkansas at home. Um, Arkansas did drop the midweek game, though, so something's going on up there in Fayetteville, but they play really, really well at home. So I got the Hogs taking two from the Aggies. I think Vandy takes two at home from Kentucky, but it's not going to be easy. Bandy got swept last weekend. I think Florida sweeps Mizzou. I think Georgia takes two from Ole Miss, continues Ole Miss struggles, and Georgia continues to stay hot. And then finally, I think South Carolina stays white hot, and they sweep a struggling Auburn team this weekend in Columbia. So that's going to do it for this week's review of the LSU Nickel State game and the preview of the upcoming weekend series at the box as Alabama travels into Baton Rouge. As always, thank you all for tuning in. Reminder, check out the YouTube channel for this video and other content. Follow me on Twitter at 60FT6INLSUPod, and y'all know where to find this podcast, Apple, Google, all the other major audio platforms. Finally, be on the lookout for the Alabama Review Pod. That will drop this weekend or Monday morning. So until next time, y'all stay safe. And as always, go Tigers.